Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. In. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's incredible to me, uh, we're going to be 63 years old, not too distant future. I've watched the Middle East as I've watched so much of the world most of my life. This president has put in place certain things that were never imaginable. Such as energy independence. Energy independence. When we were relying on the, the Arab states and OPEC, where they would blackmail us. And we used to have, even in odd days, to get in line to get our gas. The price of fuel went through the roof. Now we're energy independent. We don't need a, another country on the face of the earth to provide us with our energy. This isn't celebrated, it's attacked by the Democrats and the media and the left, it's attacked. Now they concocted something called climate change. Climate change? Oh yes. So we need to destroy our energy independence. We need to slash electricity use, we need to slash natural gas use, we need to slash oil use and coal use. We need to impoverish ourselves to save the planet. What kind of insanity is this? Then just four or five years ago, ISIS controlled so much of the Middle East, slaughtering innocent human beings left and right, and we saw it on the internet, how they were killing people. Every imaginable, sick, grotesque way. They were raping little girls. 
brutalizing people. This president defeats ISIS. You don't even hear about ISIS anymore. When's the last time you heard about ISIS? The Iran deal. Obama violates the treaty clause of the Constitution with the assistance of a whole bunch of Republicans. And without getting into the weeds on that, he winds up supporting the release of $150 billion to the number one terrorist regime in the world. And we give them $1.8 billion in cash. We do it under cover of darkness. Congress didn't approve that, so Obama did it. And what was this supposed to buy us? Time. The terrorist regime had promised that it, it wouldn't seek nuclear uh, weapons. Just nuclear power, of course. For an oil-rich nation, it needed nuclear power. And when John Kerry, the failed Secretary of State, was asked at the time, how can you trust them? He basically said, and I paraphrase, well, we really can't. So we had this Iran deal. Russia was all for it. China was all for it. The appeasers in Europe were all for it. The Israelis were strongly against it. The Arab countries were strongly against it. The Republicans, for the most part, were against it. And Donald Trump was absolutely against it. So what does he do? He kills it for the vast majority of it. He kills it. And he was told by the Democrats, by the media, by the left, that that was a disastrous decision. What else does our president do? He follows through on promises, which every other president failed to do. He campaigned. He said, I will move the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. He recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which it is. And then he moves our embassy to Jerusalem. And they said that would cause all kinds of violence and strife in the Middle East. You can't do that. And he did it. And he went further. He defunded the Palestinian Authority. Which was using our tax dollars. It's called the Taylor Act. Which was using our tax dollars. To subsidize terrorists who got pensions and subsidies. When they would kill Americans or Jews in Israel. And the more mayhem and death they created, the bigger the pension. He said, enough of that. He shut down their office in Washington, D.C., which was a beehive of terrorist activity. The Golan Heights. He recognized Israel's sovereignty, a fact, over the Golan Heights. Then he came up with a peace deal. He and the Prime Minister of Israel, two tremendous leaders, which gave the Palestinians an avenue for peace for actually two states. But among other things, they had to recognize Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state, and they had to agree to stop the terrorist activity. Both were a bridge too far. They couldn't do it. They wouldn't do it, among other things. Then you have the President of the United States, Standing up to Syria where Obama would not. When Syria was gassing its own people, not once but twice, they got hit by the United States. And that stopped them. 
President of the United States. What does he do now? He sees that this prototype for so-called peace in the Middle East ain't cutting it. He remembers when the Israelis offered over 90% of Jerusalem to Yasser Arafat. I think it was like 96%, give or take. And they turned it down. He saw that. The Clinton negotiations were a failure. He saw that Obama was turning on Israel and backing the Palestinians and trying to pressure the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, to agree to a deal or deals that would threaten the existence of Israel. And so the president, being an outsider, not part of the old State Department bureaucracy or national security bureaucracy or any of the rest of the bureaucracy, says, you know what? We're going to try something different. And what would that be? We're going to encourage some of the more moderate Arab states to work out a deal with Israel because they have a common enemy. It's called Iran, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, which is threatening all these Gulf Arab states. The UAE, which is probably the most advanced, modernized, wealthiest of the states, was the first. Bahrain, in many ways a client state of Saudi Arabia, was the second. Israel already, behind the scenes, quietly, has the best relations it's ever had with Egypt. Has the best relations it's ever had with Saudi Arabia. Israel has a security agreement with Jordan. Not because it needs Jordan, but because Jordan needs Israel. And the president says, let's build on this. Let's build on this. Let's get peace where we might be able to actually get peace. Because the Palestinians are, in in some respects, you know, they're like uh, Antifa or Black Lives Matter. Violent. Marxist-oriented. It's not a perfect parallel, but it's good enough. We've tried a half a century with the Palestinians. But they're corrupt. Hamas is a terrorist regime supported by the Iranians, the, mother, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, and Hezbollah. Abbas, himself a longtime terrorist, runs the uh, Palestinian Authority like a mobster. His consigliaries are family members and friends. They divide up the economy. They divide up industries. They divide up the geography. They make sure a certain percentage of their people are poor and stay poor, and they're treated as refugees, so they can parade them around in front of the United Nations, among other things. The president said, let's break this up. That's enough of this. Let's stir this up in a, in a way that, that might actually bring peace. And Netanyahu, a decade ago, had his own doctrine, which said the same thing. We must bypass the Palestinians and try and deal directly with the Arab states. And look at this. Look how it's bearing fruit. Look what's taking place. Today on the South Lawn, 
I was proud to be there with so many other patriots, family members, and others. On the south lawn of the White House today, the President of the United States, the Prime Minister of Israel, the Foreign Minister of the UAE, and the Foreign Minister of Bahrain were all there. And they signed a peace treaty. They're going to normalize diplomatic ties. They're going to open embassies in Jerusalem. The Israelis are going to open embassies in the capitals of those Arab states. There's going to be travel and commerce. And yes, security agreements. This is absolutely incredible. What's happened to the Middle East in four years under this president. From ISIS to energy independence to defunding Iran, to this, this growth of alliances that could never have been imagined. And the Democrats are attacking it. And the media, for the most part, are ignoring it. We live in a country today where we're close to having one party rule, the Democrat Party. And it's not the old Democrat Party of Scoop Jackson or Moynihan or anything of the kind. It's an extremely radical, violent party with propaganda machines in our major media from the New York Times, the Washington Post, in every network newsroom and almost all the cable newsrooms. These are propaganda machines. So we're close to having one party rule, and that's what this election is about. Joe Biden has said that he will go back to pushing a two-state solution, and he will reintroduce the Iran deal. He will destroy everything that's been done. Joe Biden has said, and I'm telling you, in its 110-page Communist Manifesto, that he wants to eliminate fossil fuels. That's not a joke. It's not a Trump lie. It is a fact. AOC's involved. Ed Markey's involved. All the radical nutjobs you can imagine. That would put an end to energy independence. Not only would it drive up enormously our energy costs, you'd see blackouts and brownouts all over this country that would make California look like a joke but it would have severe national security implications. Because now we've handed power back to oil-rich countries overseas, and that would include Russia. The reason they won't recognize this president's incredible accomplishments, the reason why they will not give him a Nobel Peace Prize, despite the fact he's earned it, and then some, is because to do so would demonstrate what a lousy, dangerous President Barack Obama was and what a lousy, dangerous Vice President Biden was and what a lousy, dangerous party the Democrat Party is. They root against America. They root against prosperity. They root against the cops. They root against the military. They root against the vaccine. They root against peace. I'll be right back. 
Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in. Whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You, let's think clearly. I want you to put all the propaganda and static aside that you've been hearing now month after month after month. I want you to think about this. The rioting and violence in our cities. These are Democrat cities and Democrat states. They're trying to blame it on the president. The China virus. The president didn't introduce this virus into this country, and he's done everything humanly possible to confront it and address it. Some of the governors, particularly the bigger states, have screwed up royally, and their conduct has resulted in the death of thousands and thousands of people. The president didn't do that. They're trying to blame the president for the deaths. The economy was shut down, had to be shut down. He was listening to the science, social distancing, masks, was a virus we never had before. It was very complex. Now he's fighting to open the economy. They're fighting against him in New York, in California, in Illinois, in New Jersey, and other places. So they blame the president for the economy. But look at the bright side of things, ladies and gentlemen. We have turned the corner on the virus. We have turned the corner on the, in, uh, on the economy. They are going to get better. They're on the road to getting better. But look, look at our national security. Strong. Look at our military. Strong. Look at our foreign policy. Actually, the president's been brilliant. Look at our border. It's getting secured with a wall. They wouldn't help him build it. And I can go on and on. When you look at the Trump record, look at the Trump record with all the lies and propaganda and the static. It is a tremendous record. I'll be right back. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Primus. 5.4 million Americans receive Primus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You've heard of Lady Liberty? Well... This is Mr. Liberty, the Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. When you really look at the accomplishments of this president, it's quite remarkable. The problem is you've got to get through the massive propaganda activity that's going on, all these forces that are arrayed against this president. There's a reason why they never wanted him to be president of the United States, and there's a reason why they tried to take him out, and there's a reason now why they don't want him to come back. He's shaken up our diplomacy and foreign policy in a very effective way. He's shaken up our media by exposing them. They will never again, never again, the media, have the trust of hundreds of millions or tens of millions of Americans. He's shaken up the left that thought they had a glide path to control this country for the next hundred years. Truly remarkable. Just like this deal in the Middle East. Truly incredible. It's not just one, it's number of things he's done in the Middle East. Now, I strongly disagree with the idea, which the president mentioned on Fox and Friends today, that he would sell F-35s to the UAE. You understand F-35s cost us billions and billions of dollars, the technology. The stealth technology is second to none. And the UAE is a small country. It doesn't have the ability to protect that technology from from the Chinese and, and from the Russians and from the Iranians. And I heard the president say, you know, our technology lasts seven years, maybe ten years. So be it. But it's taken decades to develop it. And enormous amounts of money. Somebody told me, well, the Chinese have that, you know, similar technology. Well, then let the Chinese give it to the UAE. And then we'll steal it from them. But we have to get smart about the use of our technology president's putting in place a very, very smart foreign policy, particularly as it affects the Middle East. But it would be very foolish and it would undermine that foreign policy if you just start selling our top technology to these various countries. We need to have an edge too. Technology is the edge we have when it comes to our national security. The Chinese outnumber us. By far. And you have... uh, 
The Chinese and the Russians, they believe in bulk. So they build enormous number of tanks, enormous number of this, enormous number of that. We need our technological edge. So why would we sell our brand new best fighter jet to the UAE? It doesn't make sense. So I will continue to strongly oppose that despite all the best efforts to uh, spin it. As I say, I was on the sat the South Lawn watching this with so many wonderful people, family members, friends, and even strangers. One after another would come up to me. People were ecstatic about what's taking place. I just want you to think about four years ago. There was no possibility of peace. ISIS was on the move, slaughtering and raping left and right. Iran had received tens of billions of dollars and was on the move. Now all of that's been reversed. All of it. This is why the Democrats don't want to talk about it. This is why the media don't want to talk about it. But you should. Here's the president today. Cut one, go. For generations, the people of the Middle East have been held back by old conflicts, hostilities, lies, treacheries. So many things held them back. Actually, lies that the Jews and Arabs were enemies and that Al-Aqsa Mosque was under attack. Constantly, they would say it was under attack. These lies passed down from generation to generation fueled a vicious cycle of terror and violence that spread across the region and all over the world. These agreements prove that the nations of the region are breaking free from the failed approaches of the past. Today's signing sets history on a new course, and there will be other countries very, very soon that will follow these great leaders. The people of the Middle East will no longer allow hatred of Israel to be fomented as an excuse for radicalism or extremism, so important. And they'll no longer allow the great destiny of their region to be denied. Mm-hmm. Cut to go. On my first foreign trip as president, I had the honor of addressing the leaders of more than 54 Arab and Muslim nations in Saudi Arabia, My message that day was very simple. I urged the nations of the Middle East to set aside their differences, unite against the common enemy of civilization, and work together toward the noble aims of security and prosperity. I offered America's friendship. I offered America's help. But I said clearly that the nations of the regions had to decide what kind of a future they wanted for their children and for their families and for their nation itself. No one could make that choice for them. They had to do that themselves. Today, the world sees that they're choosing cooperation over conflict, friendship over enmity, prosperity over poverty, and hope over despair. They are choosing a future in which Arabs and Israelis, Muslims, Jews, and Christians can live together, pray together, and dream together, side by side in harmony, community, and peace. Mm-hmm. All ignored by the networks. Mentioned maybe in passing, but that's it. And so the media aren't really about reporting actual news, even big news. The media can lie to you by censorship, by omission, and that's exactly what they're doing. Here's the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. Cut three. Go. This day is a pivot of history. It heralds a new dawn of peace. For thousands of years, 
the Jewish people have prayed for peace. For decades, the Jewish state has prayed for peace. And this is why today we're filled with such profound gratitude. I am grateful to you, President Trump, for your decisive leadership. You have unequivocally stood by Israel's side. You have boldly confronted the tyrants of Tehran. You've proposed a realistic vision for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. And you have successfully brokered the historic peace that we are signing today, a peace that has broad support in Israel, in America, in the Middle East, indeed in the entire world. Cut four, go. Let us pause for a moment to appreciate this remarkable day. Let us rise above any political divide. Let us put all cynicism aside. Let us feel on this day the pulse of history. For long after the pandemic is gone, the peace we make today will endure. Ladies and gentlemen, I have devoted my life to securing Israel's place among the nations to ensure the future of the one and only Jewish state. To accomplish that goal, I work to make Israel strong, very strong. For history has taught us that strength brings security, strength brings allies, and ultimately, and this is something President Trump has said again and again, ultimately, strength brings peace. The UAE foreign minister today, Abdullah bin Zayed al-Nahyan. Say that fast ten times. Cut five, go. This initiative would not have been possible without the efforts of His Excellency President Donald Trump and his team who worked hard and sincerely for us all to reach here. Most notably, my counterpart, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and Jared Kushner, senior advisor to the President of the United States, and all those who are genuine about the principle of peace in the United States, who have strived to realize this major achievement. And now the Bahrain Foreign Minister, Abdul Latif bin Rashid al-Zayani. Cut six, go. The declaration supporting peace between the Kingdom of Bahrain and the State of Israel is an historic step on the road to genuine and lasting peace, security and prosperity across the region, and for all who live there, regardless of religion, sect, ethnicity, or ideology. For too long, the Middle East has been set back by conflict and mistrust causing untold destruction and thwarting the potential of generations of our best and brightest young people. Now, I'm convinced we have the opportunity to change that. Now, I know for a fact that Joe Biden could never do this because he was vice president for eight years. And he was a senator for 39 years. And he was always wrong about everything. 
Joe Biden could not have done this. This is why the Democrats are not going to talk about it. <coughs> Excuse me. This is why the media will not talk about it. But you should. It's magnificent. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You know, it's an amazing thing. The Democrats like to claim that they're the environmentalists, and yet it's their states that burn because of their outrageous policies. There's a New York Times piece today taking a whack at a number of conservatives, including me, and if I have time, I'll get to it. If I don't, I don't. But they are truly stupid and pathetic people who write over there. Morons galore. But here, again, you have a president who is trying a different approach, and it's working. And so they'll dismiss it, they'll ignore it, they'll give it faint praise, and then they'll move on. It's remarkable what Donald Trump has done in such a short period of time in the Middle East. It really is quite remarkable. I think so. There are tons of VPNs out there, but I only recommend brands that I believe in. I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market, and here's why. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of cheaper free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your information. In fact, the whole point is to keep your information confidential and private. Second, speed. I've been using ExpressVPN for a while. My internet speeds are blazing fast. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart is how easy it is to use. Just fire up the app and click one button to connect and you're set. It's not just me recommending it. Tech Radar and many other tech experts rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. So go with the VPN that I trust. Go to expressvpn.com mark. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash mark, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash mark. You know, even now, Joe Biden, 
makes a trip to Florida. Joe Biden hasn't been to Florida in two years. In two years. So there's really nothing that commends Joe Biden to the office of the presidency. Nothing. Not his intelligence. Quite the opposite. Not his experience. Quite the opposite. Not his private sector background. He has none. Not his leadership. He's never been a leader. There is nothing that commends Joe Biden to the office of the presidency. Nothing. This is why yesterday he gets behind a microphone and starts screaming about the suburbs are going to be burning and flooding and and blown away and so forth and so on. He sounded like a lunatic in a padded room. He sounded like he he was speaking in tongue from the pages of the New York Times. You need to understand, and most of you do, that the left will never take responsibility for its failures. Ever. Because otherwise, they would destroy themselves. No, the, the, uh, the, the, the plot or the planning is the opposite, which is, we haven't gone far enough. We haven't tried everything that needs to be tried. We haven't experimented enough. We haven't taken enough of your liberty, enough of your private, private property. We haven't controlled you enough. We haven't redistributed wealth enough. We just never really have gone to the extent to which we need to go to perfect society. And so they don't manage their forests, these Democrats. They don't manage Timberland, uh, timber areas. It's logical what's going to happen. They burn horribly, killing people, wildlife, homes, you name it. And they blame climate change. They might as well be praying to idols. The idol of climate change is responsible. Not them. And they don't learn because they don't want to learn. They claim to be the party of knowledge and science. Here you have a president of the United States who has created a glide path in the Middle East for peace. And in order to do so, he had to reverse virtually every major policy and decision that Obama and Biden made. They were rewarding the enemy with tens of billions of dollars. They were kowtowing to the, to the Palestinian terrorists. And then they were putting the shoulder on Israel demanding that they give up land demanding that they go along with these crazy deals. The President of the United States is taking a different tack. He said, no, 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 no. Let's work with the good guys. Let's not undermine Israel. And let's not undermine these Arab Gulf states while we're rewarding Iran. And so the media is so invested in the Democrat Party and that ideology that it cannot give the president credit, it cannot give Netanyahu credit, it cannot report honestly, because then they destroy themselves. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, opposed to the breakout of peace in the Middle East includes this uh, radical left-wing Hamas front group called CARE, which has a very strong position within the Democrat Party. The uh, Palestinian Authority and Hamas oppose it strongly, which has a very strong voice within the Democrat Party. And can you tell me which Democrats have spoken out in favor of this deal? Can you? I've heard none. What has Kamala Harris said about it? What has Joe Biden said about it? Nothing. Isn't that amazing to you? And... uh, I want to move on to another topic here. I want you to put down everything you're doing, put up the volume. This is a complicated issue, but it's going to relate to your future. And you're the smartest of all audiences. And that's why I go deep with you. Other hosts won't do it with their audience. I have nothing but respect and regard for you, and I know we can do this. And it's not going to be simple. Now, what am I talking about? The complications that could arise from this election that the Democrats are putting in place. And some of these issues will be unique issues because of their plans. First of all, I want to tell you about your Constitution. Your Constitution. There's a lot of answers in your Constitution. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. Mark, 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 what does that have to do with anything? It has to do with everything. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal in the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. But no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States shall be appointed an elector. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean, Mr. Producer? It means that in the end, the state legislature determines how the electors are chosen for the electoral college in their own state, right? Does it say how they're selected? No, it doesn't say how they're selected. In the early part of our history, they were selected by the state legislatures, not by the voters. Today, in every state, they're chosen by the voters. But does that mean that under our federal constitution, if issues arise in a given state that the state legislature can't step in, and resolve the matter. The state legislature has more of a a jurisdiction, a constitutional jurisdictional argument than any court does. 
because the Constitution specifically says, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress. Okay? Now keep that in the back of your mind. The ultimate power for choosing electors to the Electoral College in each state belongs with the state legislature. Then I went back and I looked. Which battleground states have legislatures that are Republican, both in their House and in their Senate? Follow me so far? You have Republican state legislatures in Pennsylvania, Florida, Arizona, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio, and yes, in Iowa, which could be a battleground state, depending. Florida, Pennsylvania, Arizona, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio, and Iowa have Republican state legislatures. If, in fact, the mail-in voting, which is obviously being used by the Democrats to create chaos, creates chaos and makes it difficult, if not impossible, to determine the number of electors on time who are to be appointed to the Electoral College. The state legislature can step in, Mr. Producer. Did you know that? Nobody knows that but me. Because I read the Constitution. Now, how does the Electoral College work? With the help of the Business Insider, November 3rd, 2020, states appoint their electors. States must appoint their electors to the Electoral College on the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. Now, today, all states hold popular elections to determine how their Electoral College votes will be allocated. But they aren't required to do so by the Constitution or by federal laws I just explained. It's important to know. December 8, 2020, six days before the Electoral Colleges convene to vote, Electoral Colleges meet on what is known as the Safe Harbor Deadline, by which states must certify the results. Without risking Congress getting involved, I'll get to that in a minute, and resolving a potential dispute over which candidate won a particular state's Electoral College votes. So the first line is the state legislature. The state legislature can step in and determine itself who gets the Electoral College votes. If there's chaos of the sort that could well occur here. All these Electoral College votes are sent to Congress, and I'll get to that in a moment. December 14, 2020, on the second Monday after the second Wednesday in December, 
Don't get lost on this. Stick to the substance with me. Electors convene in all 50 states and the District of Columbia to formally cast their votes for president and vice president. That's December 14th in every state and D.C. And they send certificates of their vote to their state's chief election official in most states, Secretary of State, which then sends it to the National Archives, the president and the president of the Senate. So people say to me, well, what if we don't have answers in these states yet? The answer is the state legislature can step in and give an answer. And I just pointed out in eight of these battleground states, nine if you count Iowa, those are Republican state legislatures. Minnesota is split. New Hampshire and Nevada are Democrat. Okay, then what happens? January 6th. Now, by January 3rd, the new members of the House and Senate newly elected are sworn in. So you have a new Congress. January 6th, 2021 at 1 p.m., the vote count is finalized as the results are certified. So the sitting vice president, that would be Pence, acting as the Senate president, presides over a joint session of Congress to read aloud the certificates cast by the electors representing all 50 states and D.C., If no members of Congress object to any of the certificates in writing, the Senate president officially certifies the selection of the president-elect and the vice president-elect. What if they do object? Which is certainly a possibility. What if they reject? What happens then? Well, let's take a look at a scenario here. Let's take a look at this from the Cook Report. Congress is presented, let's say, with two sets of electoral votes, each backed by a different party. Well, that could happen in a state like Minnesota. But it shouldn't happen in a state with Republican legislatures. Because the other party's not heard from. Well, what about this scenario? Congress simply agrees to ignore a state that is competing electoral slates by not approving either slate. What happens then? What happens then? Well, it could be an important issue. If a large state's electoral votes are knocked out by disagreement over disputed slates, yet the normal winning threshold of 270 was still enforced, it would increase the likelihood that the election would be thrown into the House of Representatives. thrown into the House of Representatives. How does that work? I know it's complicated. We'll do this a few more times before the election, but I want to get, get, get you know, the baseline now. How does that work? Well, once the Electoral College votes are counted in Congress... Or if there's a dispute over how to count them. Let's say it gets down to Florida. Again. A challenge of Florida's votes. Require a majority vote in each house. To reject Florida's electoral college votes. So let's say. God forbid. That the Democrats. By January 3rd. They're sworn in. They still control the house. 
Let's say now they control the Senate. A simple majority of the House, a simple majority of the Senate, could throw the matter into the House of Representatives. Well, what if that happens? What if that happens? Well, the Democrats are not going to want that to happen if the number of Republican delegations in the House outnumbers the the Democrat delegations in the House, which it does today. There are 26 Republican delegations in the House, 22 Democrat delegations in the House, and two tied. So if that was still the makeup, even if the Democrats had more members in the House and the Senate, and they're meeting collectively to count the Electoral College votes, and they want to challenge the votes coming out of certain battleground states because the Republican state legislatures have stepped in, it does them no good to throw the, the decision about president into the House of Representatives because Donald Trump would win if the Republicans have a majority of the state delegations. Each delegation gets one vote. So what would happen then, Mr. Producer? We can't be sure. But what could happen is that Pelosi and Schumer, if they control the Senate and the House, could try and delay a final decision, which might result in Nancy Pelosi being the acting president of the United States. She's the second in line after the vice president. So think about that. Now, I think there can be challenges to that. I think there could be challenges to that. For example, if I'm the Republicans in the House and we have a number of the majority delegations, I'd go ahead and vote. But this is something we need to keep in mind because this scenario or a scenario like it, I believe, is what the Democrats are up to. I believe they've gamed this out. They have two former solicitors of the United States who are gaming this out with the Biden campaign. They have a former Attorney General of the United States who's gaming this out with the Biden campaign. It just shows you how diabolical and how evil the Democrat Party is and how diabolical and evil their media are. Because even going through this process would cause grave fissures, grave fissures in this country. And that's why they're pushing the mail-in vote. Now, interestingly, and I am concerned about it, you can see that the Democrats are going to vote overwhelmingly with the mail-in vote. So if anything goes wrong on the mail-in vote, and many things will, because the states are not prepared to handle this, and because some of the deadlines in the states don't match the federal deadlines, they will blame the post office. And they will say Trump sabotaged the Democrat vote, the mail-in vote, through the post office. You've heard that. That's the setup. If Trump is leading, they're going to demand that he wait. They're going to go into court. They're going to do everything they can in every county and every battleground state that they can possibly do damage in. Now, 
Let's say the Democrats are ahead on election night. And Donald Trump's legal team wants to challenge. They're going to say that Donald Trump is a dictator. He doesn't want to leave office. And we need to send in the military to remove him. This is what they're up to, ladies and gentlemen. They will burn down this country like they've burned down their cities. I'll be right back. Lovin. You know what I hate? Overpaying for something. We're already taxed to death. Then you pile on all the other services holding us hostage to high rates. Home internet, cable, utilities. Then there's your cell phone bill. AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. They all want to charge you for data you'll never need and so-called perks you'll never use. Thank goodness for Pure Talk USA. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same coverage, same towers, same bars, but costs you half with no contract and no excessive fees. Right now, enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. The average person is saving $400 a year on their wireless bill. Go to puretalkusa.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save $250 off any iPhone, including the brand new iPhone SE. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast. Now let me fill a few gaps. Well, Mark, doesn't the winner have to get 270 electoral college votes? Not necessarily. In our history, there have been occasions where that wasn't the case. We've had three candidates run and so forth. It is the, the rule, but there have been some exceptions whether you would argue they're constitutional or not, there have been some exceptions in our history. So to make it as simple as I know how, in the end, when it comes to the states, within the states, the state legislatures control. The state legislatures control, ultimately. And that, by the way, is a reason why we really didn't need the Bush versus Gore, Gore versus Bush Supreme Court decision, because the Florida state legislature was getting ready to act was getting that ready to act on behalf of George W. Bush. It's a Republican legislature. And then the second thing to keep in mind <clears throat> is there's this meeting on January 6th uh, in the House of Representatives of the newly elected Senate, the newly elected House, where they are to count the electoral votes. And this is, this is where the activity is going to occur in many respects. And the Democrats will try and figure out ways to delay and prevent a decision from reaching the House for the President of the United States where the majority of the delegations decide who the President will be. And if a majority Republican, it would be Donald Trump. And you can also see that the Democrats, with all the riots and the violence, with Black Lives Matter, Antifa, all the propaganda and the media and so forth, they're laying the foundation, well, I'll be blunt, for violence. Even a potential civil war of sorts. That's what they're doing. That's what they're creating. I'll be back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? 
This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Lovin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. Sometimes my mind is my worst enemy. It just never, never settles down, Mr. Producer. It never settles down. And here I am during the break writing notes to myself, and here's what I'm thinking. It has nothing to do with what I just discussed, nothing. But I'm just thinking. If Joe Biden had been president of the United States during the China virus, I want you to think about this. Many more people would be dead today. Why? He's yet to criticize Cuomo and Murphy, (coughs) excuse me, Pritzker and Newsom and Rudolph and the rest of them for forcing nursing homes and assisted living homes to take coronavirus positive patients out of hospitals. And so you have to assume Joe Biden would take the same position as President of the United States. He's yet to criticize that decision in all this time. The tens of thousands of frail senior citizens who died at the hands of these Democrat governors. He's not criticized them. He's not criticized the decision. I have to assume Joe Biden would have done the same thing. So tens of thousands of more fellow citizens could be dead if Joe Biden were President of the United States. He opposed, as you know, the ban of travel to and from communist China. He opposed the ban of travel to and from Europe. So tens of thousands more would have died. And he says he would have acted faster. Well, he would have acted faster by what? Putting China, virus, positive patients in nursing homes? He would have acted faster to do that? What would he have done? On the virus, when it comes to a vaccine, we know what he did. He has a record 11 years ago when he actually had a few brain tissues. What did he do? Screwed up from beginning to end. There was no vaccine until very late, very minimal. They didn't have the distribution and the production down and on and on and on. So what would Joe Biden have done so quickly exactly? So it's my contention. It's my contention. That if Joe Biden had been president of the United States, God forbid, during the Wuhan China virus, tens of thousands of more Americans would be dead today as a result. Because he wouldn't do anything differently than Cuomo and Murphy and Pritzker. What's the idiot's name in Michigan? Whit- Whitmer? What? I can't remember. Whitmer. Newsom. What a disaster. So if Joe Biden had been president of the United States with the outbreak of this virus, first of all, you wouldn't be calling it the China virus. 
Because he's bought and paid for by China. Let's be honest. That whole damn family is. We have a wonderful documentary on this at Blaze. You can see it at Levin TV, Blaze TV. It's all over the place. How they're bought and paid for by the Chinese, the Communist Chinese Party. But that aside, and that's a big aside, we already know that if Joe Biden had been President of the United States, tens of thousands of more of our fellow citizens would be dead. He has never denounced or opposed the nursing home policy. Never. He's never criticized any of these Democrat governors. Never. Talks about what he would have done. I'll talk about what he would have done, too. Let's do it. He would have acted faster. Acted faster to do what? Shove more virus-positive patients into nursing homes. That's what he would have done. Acted faster. And that should be the answer to him. Now, what about violence? Now he comes out and he says, you know, it's wrong. It's wrong to do what you're doing. Wrong. The most important speech he gave in his life was the speech he gave at the Democrat viral convention where he wanted to be president of the United States. That's the most important speech he's ever given. He's never been the nominee of his party before. And he never mentioned it once. He didn't mention it once. It wasn't even a top priority. It wasn't a priority. It wasn't in anything. He never mentioned it. He's never criticized a single mayor, Wheeler, or these other nut jobs who have allowed this to occur in their city. So we know what Joe Biden would do with Antifa, Black Lives Matter, looting, arson, crime in the cities. He wouldn't do anything. Because he's not going to cross the Democrat mayors and the Democrat governors. So we already know what he would do. We know what he would do on the virus. More people would be dead. We know what he would do with the riots. There'd be more rioting going on. Joe Biden has yet to say, if I were president of the United States, I would tell my fellow Democrat in Oregon, Minnesota, Call in the National Guard. I want to bring in the National Guard. He's never said that. So if you're not going to bring in the National Guard, if they're busy calling federal law enforcement stormtroopers, he wouldn't do anything. So there'd be more rioting, more violence, more mayhem. There'd be more dead people as a result of the uh, virus under, under Joe Biden. They want to talk about what Joe would do. Okay, I'm talking about what Joe would do. Now, what else would he do? Even more, the borders would be open. He doesn't want the fence. He'll take down the wall that's already been built. They believe in open borders. They believe that health care should go to illegal aliens. So we'll have a billion new illegal aliens in this country. He wants to give amnesty to 22 million illegals who are already here and chain migration. That's 60, 70 million people to flood into our health care system. Now, how would that work with the virus? Yeah, so I'll tell you what Joe Biden would do. You know, if I were president, if you were president, that's exactly what would happen. So people with the virus from other parts of the world, particularly the third world, would be pouring over our border, getting free health care, 
We don't have enough vaccines even when we have vaccines to care for that. Where are we going to get the hospital beds, Joe? Where are we going to get the ventilators? Where are we going to get the doctors and the nurses? Why am I the only one asking these questions? Joe says if he were president, fill in the blank. I'm filling in the blank. That's fill in the blank. Now, the Democrat Party, as you've probably heard, but I want to put a fine point on this, issuesinsights.com, it's an outstanding site. They have outstanding editorials. A lot of these are folks that used to write for Investors Business Daily. As you know, the Democrat Party and Democrat operatives and never-Trumpers have been gaming the various scenarios on election night. And so they're going to undermine the confidence of the American people and the integrity of the system. That's number one. But one publication after another you've been reading has been talking about a coup. Democrat Party bigwigs and never-Trumpers working through a newly formed group called the Transition Integrity Project. We now know this is an Obama front group. It's an Obama front group and a Clinton front group funded by George Soros in part. So they call themselves the Transition Integrity Project. I prefer to call it, look at the bunch of whores over there. They held a meeting, and their goal, as they put it, was to game out the possible scenarios for the 2020 election at a concern that the Trump administration may seek to manipulate, ignore, undermine, or disrupt the 2020 presidential election and transition process. Funny, since it's the Democrats that have been doing that since 2016. One of the scenarios they ponder was a clear Trump win, which would mean the Democrats fold up their tents and go home, right? No. John Podesta, who should be wearing an orange jumpsuit, former Bill Clinton White House chief of staff, playing Biden, refused to concede, just like his, uh, his friend Hillary Clinton told him, don't concede. Pressured states that Trump won to send Democrats to the former Electoral College vote and trusted that the military would take care of the rest. Our buddy Michael Anton wrote about that in the coming coup of the American mind. Now, this isn't just game playing. The report from this group darkly concluded that technocratic solutions, courts, reliance on elites, observing norms, are not the answer, promising that what would follow the November election would be a street, quote, street fight, not a legal battle, unquote. But it'll be both. So the Democrats will never accept a, even a clear Trump victory. They want to avoid the election. And then, stop calling it a coup. They want to unleash an insurrection, which results in a coup. But they want to unleash an insurrection. And they are telling us if Donald Trump wins, they're going to riot. A civil war of sorts. Berkeley Law professor, former Bush administration official John Yu reminds us, and he's a sharp guy. COVID-19 and state lockdowns might hamper access to polling places in upcoming election. Mail-in voting will be more widespread than ever due to the pandemic and might suffer from fraud. Foreign governments might try to hack into the state electoral system. Now, that's just a partial list. If they lose, Democrat leaders might stall and hope for a friendly legal venue in which to litigate the election in their favor. Sounds improbable? Think about Florida and the the year 2000, and think about what I just discussed earlier this hour about the shenanigans possible if they have a majority in the House, a majority in the Senate, and they try and block it from going to the House where the House could select the president, particularly if there's a majority Republican delegations. 
Recall that in June, Acting Defense Secretary Mark Esper publicly warned Trump against invoking the Insurrection Act, against the riots spread across the country that would let Trump use military troops to quell the violence. Esper's remarks implied that Trump, the nation's commander-in-chief, might find his legal orders ignored by an unwilling military, which would be a shocking disgrace. Because the Insurrection Act has been used many times before, and for a lot of reasons, less severe than this. And let me make a suggestion. Should Donald Trump get reelected, God willing, he needs to fire this Secretary of Defense. This Secretary of Defense doesn't get to dictate to the Commander-in-Chief, and no, it's not illegal, it's not unconstitutional, it's not unethical, it's not immoral for the President to use the Insurrection Act to put down insurrections. Other presidents have done exactly the same thing. And if what you see in the cities isn't an insurrection, I don't know what the hell is. These are Marxist anarchist groups. And if they plan to continue what they're doing in an even worse form, multiply by five or ten, they need to be put down. Are you hearing me, Media Matters? Mediaite? Yes. We need to retain a civil society and a republic. I'll be right back. You know what I hate? Overpaying for something. We're already taxed to death. Then you pile on all the other services holding us hostage to high rates. Home internet, cable, utilities. Then there's your cell phone bill. AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. They all want to charge you for data you'll never need and so-called perks you'll never use. Thank goodness for Pure Talk USA. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same coverage, same towers, same bars, but costs you half with no contract and no excessive fees. Right now, enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. The average person is saving $400 a year on their wireless bill. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save $250 off any iPhone, including the brand new iPhone SE. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast. KSFO Mike in California, our great affiliate there. How are you, sir? I'm good, Mark. How about yourself? Very well, thank you. Hey, I'm a professional forester licensed by the state of California. I've been doing this professionally 28 years. I just cannot believe 3 million acres went up in smoke Mm -hmm. uh, here in California. You know, Trump's right that uh, a lot of this is really super bad policy. When I started writing logging permits on private ground, this in California you got to get a permit to cut your own trees if you want to sell them. Okay, used to be 23 pages. They're 230 pages now. <clears throat> so there's 10 grand just writing this thing up. Then you got two years of spotted owl surveys. They're running 20 grand a pop. All right, so these people got to come up with like 40 grand up front before they get a single dollar. Just to uh, cut their own trees on their own private property? That's correct. So it's not climate change, huh? 
What happened to the gentleman? How did I lose him? I guess your phone dropped that. That's too bad. I really wanted to hear from you. But on this subject, since you brought it up, here's a New York Times article. It's by Michael Grinbaum and Tiffany Sue, HSU. Neither of them know anything about climate change, quote-unquote. Neither of them are scientists. Neither of them know anything. And yet the headline of their story is nothing to do with climate change, conservative media and Trump align on fires. It's a vapid piece. It's a relatively long piece. As for me, it writes, quote, this has nothing to do with climate change. It has nothing to do with man-made climate change. And it sure as hell would help if these forests in these timber areas were free to be properly managed, but they're not. Mark Levin, a popular right-wing radio host, said on his nationally syndicated show on Friday, you see how they have to use that terminology, I'm right-wing? Why? Because I support the Constitution and freedom? That's not right-wing, you idiots. That's not right-wing at all. Mr. Levin drew a link between climate advocacy. What is climate advocacy? That's like, I'm a cloud advocate, Mr. B. I'm a rain advocate. A climate advocacy and recent demonstrations for racial justice, suggesting that both causes, widely associated with liberals, offered a cloak for more sinister intentions. By the way, don't you love it when the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost or any of these other nitwit-centered left-wing operations are interpreting what I say on the radio? I say it to millions of people. We recap it right after the show. It stays on my website for four years, and I need these clowns to interpret it for me. Two schmoes who have no substantive background at all. Quote, quoting me, they want to talk man-made climate change because out of this they want to control you. It's just like the race stuff, systematically racist. Well, what do you want to do about it? Control you, beat you down. You need to change your lifestyle, need to confess to something. Some right-wing writers see even darker origins in the outbreak of a lethal blaze anyway. So we're all right-wingers, you know, like the Klan and the neo-Nazis. All right-wingers. No, I'm a constitutional conservative. That's all. I believe in capitalism. I believe in the Declaration and the Constitution. I believe in representative government. And for the New York Post and Washington Post, just think about it. That makes you a right-winger. You must be a right-winger. Now, these two idiots who are writing know nothing about science. They know nothing about weather. They know nothing about climate. They know nothing about me. They never asked me. And so all they do is cherry-pick what I say. I stand by what I said. Happens to be accurate. Uh, But the uh, Washington Compost has given up journalism a long, long time ago. And now it's just another front group, a Praetorian Guard, for the left. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You remember that story that leaked out that the Russians had put bounties on our soldiers in Afghanistan, offered bounties to the Taliban to kill U.S. troops. You remember that story? And you remember how the president came under attack how there were hearings, how there were concerns that information was not being told to the President of the United States. This went on for weeks. Remember Jake Tapper? Remember CNN and MSNBC trashing the President of the United States? Whatever happened to that story? Well, it was a lie. As ZeroHedger.com writes, there's been huge efforts to validate the New York Times bombshell that wasn't concerning its summer reporting that Russia secretly offered bounties to the Taliban to kill American troops in Afghanistan. Two months ago, the Pentagon vowed to get to the bottom of it, launching a review of all intelligence and sources which might provide corroboration. And now at the end of that investigation, General Frank McKenzie, commander of the U.S. Central Command, Overseeing the war in Afghanistan says the detailed investigation found no corroboration of the story. No corroboration of the New York Times story. This is why the New York Times is the enemy of the people and has been for a long time. Ask the Holocaust survivors what they think. Now recall that from the start the whole thing smelled like a dramatic and desperate last-ditch effort to revive the failed Russiagate narrative, but in a different form. Multiple intelligence agency heads voiced their immediate skepticism in the wake of the claims linked to unnamed intelligence sources in the CIA, used, of course, by the New York Times. General McKenzie told NBC News, quote, It just has not been provided to a level of certainty that satisfies me, adding, we continue to look for that evidence. I just haven't seen it yet. Now, the new NBC report, published Monday, finds further, quote, a U.S. military official familiar with the intelligence added that after a review of the intelligence around each attack against Americans going back several years, none have been tied to any Russian incentive payments. The suggestion of a Russian bounty program began, another source directly familiar with the matter said, with a raid by CIA paramilitary officers that captured Taliban documents describing Russian payments. So there it is. The Pentagon did a detailed examination of each and every attack on American troops going back several years and found nothing. Nothing. Have you heard this reported today? Maybe on NBC. Anywhere else? It's another instance of the initial unchecked and unverified sensationalist claims from deep within the bowels of the Russian-obsessed mainstream going viral. Where's Adam Schiff today? Where's MSNBC? Where are all these bastards who wanted you to believe that the President of the United States knew that Putin had put a bounty on the heads of American soldiers paying the Taliban to kill as many as they could, claiming 
that Trump was so tight with Putin that Putin had something on him so Trump wouldn't stand up for the American soldier. It was a lie from beginning to end, a lie by the New York Times. It never happened. And we were told about it day in and day out, night after night, article after article, broadcast after broadcast. Just like the four phony anonymous with the Atlantic article. Well, I have verified two of the anonymous. We're not asking you to verify the anonymous. We're asking you to verify the story, which you cannot. The president called the military losers and suckers. The Marines who died in World War I. No, 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 he didn't. You have 25 people on the record who said he did not. Didn't matter. They pushed it. Bob Woodward. Breathless accounts of the, of the recording of the President of the United States. There's nothing breathless in that stupid-ass book. Nothing. Nothing at all. Well, he downplayed the, uh, the, the virus because he didn't want to panic. So what? Well, Joe Biden, I've already told you, if Joe Biden were president, many more Americans would have died, particularly senior citizens, particularly people with, with comorbidities. Because he would have followed Cuomo and the other thugs who are governors and exposed. People who are frail and elderly with the virus. Just like his favorite governors. He's never questioned them. He's never criticized them. But it's even worse, as our friends at PJ Media point out, Matt Margolis, who's a great writer. He says, Joe Biden's flip-flops on COVID-19 prove he's incapable of leading during the pandemic. The mask called for a national mask mandate back in August. Then he... He reversed course. He said, no, it's not constitutional. I didn't really mean that. He called for shutting down the entire economy again if he was told to do so by a scientist. Is that what presidents do? Then he kind of pulled back again and said, well, you know, not so sure of that. He opposed the China travel ban early on. Took him a few months, but then later he said, well, actually, I I guess that was a good idea. And I could go on and on and on. This is Joe Biden. He would have, could have, should have. That's his whole campaign. Guy's been around forever. He would have, could have, should have. I want to get to your calls. There's just a few more things I want to hit here. John Bolton. John Bolton is quite the Svengali. Actually worse. Washington Examiner. Department of Justice opens criminal inquiry into John Bolton's book, as they should. The Justice Department opened a criminal inquiry into whether former White House National Security Advisor John Bolton unlawfully disclosed classified information in his latest books. Book, I should say. A grand jury convened and issued subpoenas for communication records from Simon & Schuster. Good. The company that published The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir. I think The Room Where It Happened, Mr. Producer, was in the men's room, probably. As well as from Javelin, good. Bolton's literary agency, according to multiple reports on Tuesday. That's today. We're aware reports that grand jury subpoenas have been issued seeking information concerning the publication of Ambassador Bolton's recent book, 
Bolton's lawyer, Charles Cooper, told the Washington Examiner, Ambassador Bolton emphatically rejects any claim that he acted improperly, let alone criminally, in connection with the publication of his book. He will cooperate fully, as he has throughout, with any official inquiry into his conduct. Of course, as Charles Cooper doesn't point out, he has no choice but to cooperate fully. There's no basis for opposing those subpoenas or records. None whatsoever. Prior to the late June release of the book, which painted an unflattering picture of the president, Trump administration sought to stop the release of Bolton's book through the courts, but the legal effort was denied. But it's not just that. The judge, Judge Lamberth, was very, very troubled. Judge Royce Lamberth, D.C. District Court, is an old friend of mine. I haven't talked to him in a very, very long time, but he is... uh, he has integrity coming out of every pore in his body. He denied the Trump administration's request to block Bolton's book from being released, but nevertheless warned that the former national security advisor likely risked U.S. national security by disclosing classified information. The judge wrote in June that the Justice Department's arguments against releasing the book were not enough to overcome the fact that the book's details were already publicly available. But the judge was harshly critical of Bolton. He wrote... That Bolton opted out of the review process before its conclusion, unilateral fast-tracking carried the benefit of the publicity and sales, and the cost of substantial risk exposure. This was Bolton's bet. If he's right and the book does not contain classified information, said the judge, he keeps the upside mentioned above. But if he's wrong, he stands to lose his profits from the book deal, exposes himself to criminal liability, and imperils national security. You're a national security advisor to a president of the United States. You shouldn't be writing any books about your experience. That's number one. But number two, even if you do, which you shouldn't, you don't do it while he's still president of the United States to maximize your publicity and your marketing potential. Shame on John Bolton. Shame on Simon & Schuster. Let the chips fall where they may. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. The BLM NFL is the bright part, though, site puts it, and that's why we ought to adopt. The BLM NFL lost viewers across the board every single game. 
And I want to congratulate you because I'm going to continue to BDS them. You do to them, that is on the left, what they do to you. I really believe that. It's very important. Well, let's take some calls, shall we? Mark, Cheltenham, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT, that is my home township. Did you know that, sir? Yes, sir, it is. Actually, we've talked before about the high school and the wall. And oh, all right, then the hell with it. Go right ahead. The township. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so listen, my question ha- have is... Have they voted me into their Hall of Fame yet there, the high school? Well, they haven't been open, so they haven't been able no, to... No, they, they um, didn't, and they never were. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with a blanket no on yes. that. Um, and yet so, I used to be on the school board that oversaw that high school. Did you know that? Yeah. All right, go yeah, ahead. Nobody you, well, cares. Like I said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize it. No. Go right ahead. I wouldn't recognize it at all. So thanks for doing the deep dive on the Electoral College. Um, I, I've been reading the Constitution just to you know try to educate myself, and it's, it's good to hear what I was thinking verified by having you go over. So I appreciate it. I listen to you to learn something, and I always do, Thank every you. time. Thank you. So my question is, yes. is this. It seems like, from my read, that a lot of these contingency plans are based on not being able to reach the magic number to select a president, to elect a president. But nothing really addresses what if the votes aren't tallied. So, well, 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 here's the thing. The state legislatures, in the end, can decide uh, where the Electoral College votes go. So that's number one. Number two, they do wind up with Congress through the Archivist of the United States. It's called ascertainment of certificates. It goes to the Archivist, then he delivers them to the President of the Senate. They all meet on January 6th. Number three, you're saying, what happens if there aren't enough Electoral College votes there? If the state legislature doesn't act, that means that they have chosen to disenfranchise their own state. That's possible. As you know, my question is... But I don't believe that would happen. Goes, well, no, but everything goes to the Congress to be certified right. once those votes right. are cast, right? Right, right. So what happens if, they, if this all hinges on vote tally not being certified because of you know, mail-ins and the, and the dispute over mail-ins... Right, let's slow down. No, 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 no. It's certified by the state. So they would be certified. So we don't have to worry about there not being a Congress or a quorum if we go past... No, no, no. So the Congress will meet on January 6th. Now, the, the votes come in, and the Democrats, let's say, they don't like the way uh, State A conducted itself. They don't think that they counted the mail-in votes properly. Uh, they accuse them of corruption. You know, this, you can imagine what comes out of uh, Nancy Pelosi, Eva Pelosi's big mouth. So what can they do? They're supposed to count them. So uh, they, let's say they, uh, they, somebody objects. Let's say it's State A. Somebody objects. Say, no, 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 you shouldn't count State A. They didn't finish counting the mail-in vote. I object. And if you have a majority of the House members present and a majority of the Senate members present objecting, then that matter is thrown to the House of Representatives, where well, the president is. So, hold on now. I'm going to walk. I'm going to get your question. I got to lay it out. It gets complicated for people. Where each delegation has a vote. Now I'm Pelosi, and I, God forbid, and I see and I say, wait a minute, the Republicans have a majority in there. So I have a majority of the of the House, but they have a majority of the delegations. 
Here's my concern. She says, I'm not going to let this go to the House. Do you understand my point? I do. What I'm asking is if we go past the constitutionally mandated term of the House of Representatives and the votes have not been counted to determine who the new Congress is. No, 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 you're confusing. On January 3rd, the new Congress is sworn in. January 6th, it's not about the Congress and so forth. It's about counting the votes, the electoral votes for the president and the vice president of the United States. So we're beyond the Congress now. And what I'm saying to you is the way it's supposed to work is that if we do not, if, 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 if one or the other house wants to challenge what took place in one of the states, they can do that by a majority vote of the house members and a majority vote of the Senate members present. The problem with that is they're not going to want to do that if the Republicans have a majority of the delegations in the house. So what happens? They will try and sit on it and delay it. And that's going to be the problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the problem. Because you can have battles in states too, but uh, you have Republican control of most of these states unless that changes. Right now, the battleground states, uh, eight of them have Republican uh, legislatures. Maybe that'll change in this election if there's uh, some of them are up for a vote. But let's at least, uh, for a point of context. Let's say they hold Pennsylvania, Florida, you know, Wisconsin. Um, I wrote them down here. I don't have them all in front of me. They control under the Constitution, under Article 2. There's no question. So to me, the issue comes down to what can happen in Congress. Now, what also happened? The Democrats are going to bring lawsuits galore against the state legislature. They're going to just come up with any cockamamie lawsuit they can think of, again, to delay the process. The longer they can delay the process in the states, the longer they can delay the process if it all comes to the Congress, the longer they can claim chaos, the longer they can attack the president as a dictator, and the faster they can get Nancy Pelosi in as the acting president. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Is that a copy of the Constitution you've got? Or are you just happy to see Mark Levin? Call him now at 877-381-3811. Kamala Harris, cut nine, Mr. Producer, in a virtual address to the Latino business owners Saturday. Cut nine, go. 
a Harris administration together with Joe Biden as the president of the United States, the Biden-Harris administration. Now, you've heard that all day long, but I still wanted to play it again. And you probably heard this, too. Joe Biden, today, Florida, cut 10, go. For example, making it easy to carry your professional credentials with you from one state to another when your spouse moves. Harris-Biden administration is going to relaunch that effort and keep pushing further. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'll ever hear Trump say the Pence-Trump administration. Do you, Mr. Producer? This is basic stuff. Imagine when it gets complicated, like whether to cut taxes or not. More Joe Biden in Florida today. Cut 11, go. So the president's now saying that he's just going to defer that being done and between now and after the election. So I guess it's February 1st or something. No, that would be after November. And Joe Biden in Florida today. Cut 12, go. The president was made it clear he was going to lift the moratorium on offshore drilling. The president was just down there and he said he wasn't. (laughs) So he didn't make it clear that he was. And we're energy independent thanks to him, not thanks to you or that knucklehead Obama. Go ahead. Uh, Most people only focused on the, not only, but focused on the environmental impact of that happening, what that would mean, especially since when we don't need more fossil fuel, what we need is more renewable energy. By the way, does it sound like spittle is, you know what I mean? It's gathering, spitting, like he's foaming in the mouth or something. Go ahead. Um, but I strongly support, I can guarantee you, if I'm president, there will be no offshore drilling. And I extend... All right, so no more offshore drilling. No fracking. These people are serious. These blackouts and brownouts. Now, you know, I would tell the, the two clowns of the Washington Compost who pretend to be reporters, if you get a copy of my book, Liberty and Tyranny, I talk about the environmentalists, and I talk about the weather. And how old is that book now? It's got to be more than 10 years old. I don't even remember. It only sold 1.5 million copies. Hold on a second. Let me find the book. All right, there it is. Quite an extensive library. I won't donate it to liberals because they don't read very well. In any event, I pointed this out, the forests, the blackouts, the brownouts, that they were coming, and they're here. Not because I'm Nostradamus, but because it's a banner of basic logic. In fact, I called these people envirostatists. And I attacked this whole climate change thing. This is 2009, I wrote it, or it was published, from the get-go. And one of the interesting things you'll find in this book, if you go to page 140, 141, 142, 143, even back then, 11 years ago, are the list of all the things that apparently climate change, back then they called it global warming. But, you know, they're very, very clever with their, uh, with their labels. And I pointed out, if they have their way, you're going to see extensive brownouts and blackouts. Just a matter of time. In our most populous state, really, our wealthiest state at one time, 
you're seeing brownouts and blackouts. It's just unbelievable. Utterly predictable. They used to call this man-made global warming. Now it's man-made climate change. So whatever Mother Nature does now is man's fault, you see. That's the way the Democrats grab power. Man's fault. New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman, way back when, author of Hot, Flat, and Crowded, Why We Need a Green Revolution. This guy's been behind every stupid idea that's out there. He expressed his frustration with the slow pace of the enviro-statism agenda, as I called it, by wishing that, quote, I made this famous or infamous. Our government could get its act together and launch a green revolution with the same persistent focus, stick to the same direction that China does through authoritarian means. There's truth in what he says. Because their radical environmental agenda leads to authoritarianism. Their radical race agenda leads to authoritarianism. All of their agenda leads to authoritarianism. You know, I look at this Joe Biden. They prop him up, put him in front of a sign. He's in front of like weeds. You know, he's talking about the fires, Mr. Producer. It's like he's a hologram or something. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that the right word? Yeah, it's, it's like he's a hologram. It's like he's made up. It's like, it's like they put the graphics guy onto it, and here he is. There, that's Joe Biden. It's so bizarre. Truly. All right, let's take some calls here. Ivan Lowell, Maryland, the great WMAL. How are you, sir? Mark, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Very well. Mark, I got two quick comments, but I, but I just want to say I'm so happy for Israel. Uh, you are, Mark, you are a better friend to Christianity than any of those so-called fake pastors like uh, Jeremiah Wright, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, and, and uh, Michael Flegler. Flegler. Mm-hmm. But listen, my, my comment I wanted to make, Mark, was I would love to see Donald Trump just really drive the Democrats crazy at one of his rallies, just come out and say, you know, I think I'm going to take Hillary's advice and not concede, ever. <laughs> watch them go apoplectic, Mark. You know, watch them drive the Democrats crazy for a day, and then he can come out and say, you know, to the press, you never said a word when, when Hillary told Joe not to concede. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see him do that. And, Mark, i got one more quick comment if you got a second. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think this, um, the, I think we are falling for another hoax. I think the shutdown at this point is basically an, an illusion. And I think the country, is, the country is, by and large, out and about. If you look at the last quarter, we had record retail sales. Uh, traffic is back to normal. You know, but the Democrats, you know, they won't let businesses and churches open, and they won't let students go back to school. You know, and they want to see Americans, you know, out, out and about, you know, on unemployment, but not at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we're, we're acting as if we are shut down. But the country's not shut down. Everybody's out, Mark. Mm-hmm. All right, but anyway, thank you very much for, for giving me No, those are good time. points, Ivan. Appreciate it, buddy. Let us go to Ray, New York, Long Island, the great WABC. Go ahead, Ray. Good evening, Mark, and thanks for having my call. Yes. And thank you very much for explaining to America how these treasonous Democrats are trying to steal not only this election, but the reins of power of the federal government. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Mark, I hope that you get a chance in the discussion about the strategy the Democrats are going to use to talk about the landmark Supreme Court case of Powell versus McCormick, Mm -hmm. because the Democrats are going to try to seat who they want in contested House of Representative races. And you know that's going to happen if we're going to have a... All right, all right, all right, all right, slow down. First of all, that case, basically, the court said it's none of our business. The Supreme Court, it was, as I recall, was I'm doing this from memory, it was Adam Clayton Powell. And it went up to the Supreme Court. I'm doing this by memory. I believe it was uh, written by Warren Berger, who I interned for many, many, many years ago. And I believe the court's decision ultimately was uh, the court should not get involved in this. Well, they put handcuffs on a House of Representatives. No, 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 no. So I'm saying that, that it's landmark in the sense that they said the court shouldn't get involved in it. Right, but it does put handcuffs on Pelosi about how she determines who she wants to seat. Not really. They passed a federal statute. I remember this coming into play. They passed a statute on and they processed it. But I, I'm confused about what you're arguing here. You, well, you're, saying, you're saying that they're going to challenge members of the House? I don't think so. I think they're going to, they're going to try to seat... Democrats to change. No, they're not going to. They're not going to do that unless it's a very, very close race here and there. But that's it. I don't believe that. All right. Well, if the, they they, they if can't that, take on everything, it's not going to work. It's just not. Well, they have and, to get rid and, of- and, and, and and why would they take that on when they can just take on the presidency and delay the process? Why would they be going after House members? Because if they can get the majority of state delegations, it takes too long. Happen. It takes too yeah. long to litigate that. It's not like oh wow. We're going to get a decision in two weeks from the Supreme Court. Well, I was thinking this could be part of the problem. All right, thanks for your call. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't everyone call me with their ideas, please. With all their, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? Now we have them going after House members. There's no evidence of that. They may go after a couple of them if it's really, really close. The Powell decision really is basically a court decision that says that's a political issue. We're not getting involved in it. So uh, what happens if they burn down the Capitol building, Mr. Produce, and they bring Antifa and Black Lives Matter and they burn the whole Capitol building down? Then what are we going to do? Please, let's try and deal with what's on the table. If something else surprises us, we'll deal with it. I promise. Eli in uh, Toronto, Canada. How are you, Eli? I'm okay. How are you, Mark? Very well. Thank you, sir. So I have... I have two comments and two points. The first comment is... So that's four things, but you actually have 60 seconds, so you need to prioritize. Okay. So first thing, it's a Jewish New Year, so I wish you all the best. Amen. Second of all, I I love your books. I bought them all, and I'm even buying for my family for uh, weekends. For the the New Year's. uh, Now, what are you buttering me up for? Go ahead. At, at least one point. Today, yes. when the signatures got signed by Bahrain and UAE, yeah. two seconds later, the Palestinians shot two missiles towards Israel. And right. There were five people injured. I don't remember since JFK, if I'm not mistaken, not one Democrat who actually criticized the Palestinian Authority. No, but you're right. They shot missiles into Israel, into population centers, Right after the documents were signed. And you're exactly right. And you see almost no attention being given to that, do you, Eli? 
I'm waiting for the New York Times to write a piece supporting the Palestinians. My, my family actually lives in that city. They were almost two seconds from that location. Which, what, what city was it again? It's Ardod. Ardod, it's a yep. city. It's mm-hmm. 40 kilometers from Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. And it fell right in the middle of the center of the town, mm-hmm. which is a big center, a shopping center. Now, the second point is, I, I hope it will never happen, but... I watched a, uh, an amazing uh, show on Amazon, which is also a book. It's called The Man in High Castle. God help us all, Jews and Americans and everyone in the world, if Biden is going to be elected, it's going to be exactly a Nazi state, which is... Oh, a what? A Nazi state? I don't know about a Nazi state. All right, Eli, I got to run. It'll be more like a soft Marxist state. But autocracy is a horrible thing. You never know what direction it's going to go in. I don't hear any freedom agenda from these uh, leftists at all. It's all about what we're going to tell you to do, what we're going to do with the government, how we're going to take your income. It's all quite uh, police state sounding to me. I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. covered a lot today and some of it's been very deep so i want to thank you for being here but you're going to be way ahead of everybody else and it's very important you know over at the washington examiner trump moves to expand the electoral map by flipping clinton won states now what states are those well he campaigned in nevada that's one of them he wants to try and flip minnesota that's another one given what's happened in minneapolis and he's also looking at new hampshire Now, uh, it's a tight race in Florida, tight race in North Carolina, tight in Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Now, those states the president carried four years ago by small margins. They are playing defense in so many states they need an offense state, said Amy Koch, a former Minnesota Senate majority leader. And so they're trying to pick off some of these Clinton states, so-called. Um, time will tell. Trump lost New Hampshire by just 0.3 points. 0.3. 0.3. 
After Romney lost Nevada by 6.68 points, John McCain lost it by 12.49 points. Trump lost the state by 2.42 points. You know, nobody ever talks about this. Trump did far better than either McCain or Romney. McCain or Romney. Minnesota went for Clinton over Trump by just 1.5 points. That's the closest since Walter Mondale barely held off Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan lost Minnesota by 3,000 votes. It was the only state he lost in his second election. So uh, there are opportunities here, and the president's trying to uh, go for them. Uh, The Nevada State GOP Chairwoman Amy Tarkan... What is her name? Whatever her name is, she says Nevada is definitely in play. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being here. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, you, patriotic Americans and Levinites. Thank you all. And I'll see you right here tomorrow at our national town hall meeting. God bless each and every one of you. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.